welcome everyone. This is now the ninth episode of the Army of Smartness podcast. I am your co-host Ryan, and with me, as always, Mr. JD. JD, how are you, sir? I am doing well. Football is in full swing. The Falcons have already dropped the first two games, uh, as is tradition, uh, both in spectacular come from behind fashion and uh, spectacular having been come up, come back upon from behind. I don't. Yeah, we're bad. We're real, 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 real bad. Real bad. Rise up just to let me down, baby. That's right. Hey, you can't be shot down if you don't rise up first. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, JD, other than football, how's how's uh, how's life uh, been to you? It's, it's fall, so uh, well. Tomorrow is, I guess, technically official first day of fall. So football is life at this stage of the game. That is the correct, that is the correct answer. Uh, man, I was born a rambling man. Mm. Uh, I have been rambling and a traveling just about everywhere that I possibly can. And <clears throat> I think I'm starting to get a little hoarse, uh, as. Oh, you do have a good sized yard out there. You should have room for a little horse. Yeah. Well, you the know, dogs will enjoy that. Yeah. Well, it's more of a Shetland pony at this point. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, anyways, so yeah, uh, just to give a peek behind the curtain here, I have been traveling and in court and, uh, it's just been, we, we're not yet millionaires on this podcast. We're working on that. Well, but, we uh, got a little ways to go. We're, we're, we've got a good bite on it. we got a good start. Um, we're headed that way, but yeah. So until such time as I can, uh, quit being a, an attorney, uh, I must, uh, travel for work, uh, but anyways, I do uh, want to plug the social media here. We've uh, obviously got our Facebook account uh, at Army of Smartness, Twitter at Army of Smartness, and of course, you can email us at armyofsmartness at gmail.com. And JD, you would not believe this. We have grown yet again. Yet again. Oh, my goodness. Yet again. And we will never be the same again ever be the same again because we are worldwide and even more so now as we have a listener or listeners in canada or someone with a vpn through canada nah if you got a vpn you don't you don't choose canada i don't know maybe you do a random one you jump around so nobody knows where you got maybe it's a night crawler sort of vpn just all across the map you never know well, until these VPN companies uh, start sponsoring us, I'm not going to acknowledge their existence right now. No, I meant Nightcrawler the X-Man. I don't know if there's a VPN called Nightcrawler. I was teleporting across the but, yeah, I, world. I anyway, <clears throat> bamf. <laughs> but anyways, guys, if you would like to uh, help support the show, uh, you can check us out on our uh, Facebook page. Uh, we are taking donations through Anchor, and uh, it's actually listed in the show notes on this hear podcast so you can obviously just click away if you like what you hear um obviously uh you can donate to us but we definitely want to get some five-star reviews some uh activity on social media uh, so, you know good comments nasty comments as so long as you comments as i always say there you go but uh so anyways jd since we we've got uh, a, a bit to get to uh, today we've, uh, obviously we're reviewing WrestleMania seven. Um, yes. Uh, per listener request the, the fans have demanded it with a full throated, uh, request here from, from Nick. 
Um, so absolutely, we're happy to do that. So we're going to get to this WrestleMania seven, but before we do that, I think we need to talk smart. Well, I'm glad you said that Ryan, because I am ready to talk smart and what we'll be discussing today. The term we'll be discussing is pop thought it was only appropriate as we have both Hulk Hogan and the road warriors, although they're masquerading as Legion of doom on the uh, WrestleMania card here, both known for their signature pop. And what is a pop? You may ask what's well, the reaction of the crowd generally referred to cheering as pop, but there, it can be boost too. As long as it's a big reaction. Uh, the reason I bring it up with Hogan and the road warriors, there was a thing uh, back in the 80s, it was known as the Road Warrior Pop. So essentially, whenever the, um, well, in NWA Jim Crockett era, it was, it was Iron Man would play as their, their entrance music. Or if in the WWF era, WWE era of uh, the Legion of Doom, you'd get the, oh, what a rush at the beginning. Anytime those two things hit, the crowd would just explode in cheers and it, you know, deafening. I remember, the first time I ever experienced a pop of this magnitude was actually not in a wrestling event, but if you recall the original uh, blackout game at the University of Georgia versus Auburn, I was at that game in, was that 2008, 2009? When, when was that? Yeah. Anyway, uh, so 2008. Was, 2008. So I was at that game in Sanford Stadium, and you, I had heard the phrase so loud you can't hear yourself think before. I'd heard it. I had never experienced it literally when uh, back in black cranked up and the players ran out of the tunnel in a surprise with the black jerseys. Um, you know, it was so loud. I couldn't hear myself think that is really kind of the highest form of the, the pop. There are various kinds of pops here. Obviously that's the road warrior pop that we talked about. There's the hometown pop. Basically, someone gets a bigger reaction closer to the area that they're from. And again, to use the example of the road warriors, they were actually from Minneapolis, Minnesota or thereabouts, but were built from Chicago, Illinois. So anytime they were close to Chicago or close to Minneapolis, they got an even bigger pop, the road warrior pop plus the hometown boost, but you, you'll see it. You, we saw it recently in Toronto um, with edge coming, coming out uh, on raw, got a much larger response. He gets, gets a good response anyway, but especially so being there in his hometown, Trish got not only the hometown pop, but the return pop as well. So uh, another example of a pop is one that um mick foley is known for uh cheap pop uh especially during his run as commissioner in the wwe he would say right here in whatever town they're in uh and that is a cheap pop to get the people to cheer hey i live here hooray uh the rock would also do this with the finally the rock has come back to insert city here and so that's another uh, pop. It's called a cheap pop. It's just a way to try to get the audience energized. Uh, it's sort of a shortcut to do so. But like I said, if you have a chance, uh, fire up the Peacock Machine and listen particularly to the pops that Hulk Hogan and the Legion of Doom get here on WrestleMania 7. Uh, and that is the wrestling term pop. And that is this week's Talking Smart. All right. Well, <clears throat> It's always uh, it's always good to to have a pop in this business. Every so often you do witness it, but uh, like my gosh, you think uh, 
Hulk Hogan and WrestleMania 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, Again in Toronto, right? Yeah. No, that's yeah, that was Toronto. Was that 17 or 18? That was 18. Was 18? Okay. Yeah, 17 was uh, Rock Austin. Right, that's right. Correct, correct, correct. Yep. And uh, but yeah, that was a uh, those crazy pops, and I mean, you can tell it oftentimes when this pop happens i mean it affects the wrestlers so much you it's mm-hmm. generally speaking you're going to get a good show when that happens uh, well, i heard a few people <clears throat> i think jim Cornette among them say when especially when the road warriors would get that pop they'd have to kind of calm them down a little bit because they get a little fired up and maybe uh you might eat a little potato salad there for a second until they got themselves back <laughs> under control exactly exactly well I uh, don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about uh, what's going on on Raw. To be honest with you, I have been traveling and have not had a chance to watch it. Uh, There is a interesting fan theory about the uh, White Rabbit that is being uh, advertised throughout the shows now and on the next pay per view. The uh, there's a fan theory suggesting that maybe we're witnessing the Firefly Funhouse coming to life. Uh, they're thinking maybe Ramblin' Rabbit is Carry On Cross, Abby is Scarlet, and uh, Mercy Mercy the Bussard is Dexter Loomis. Um, what do you think about that, JD? Maybe. Well, maybe. I mean, it's, it's definitely possible. We're seeing um, under the Triple H regime, we're seeing a lot of the NXT folks, all of those guys, and even Bray Wyatt himself being an NXT alum. Uh, they, they're all NXT alumni and the good version uh, of NXT. Um, so you know, it's definitely possible. I don't know if there's any concrete evidence linking each individual to the, the puppet in question uh, from, from the Firefly Funhouse. And I don't know if you're bringing Bray Wyatt back, if that's the way you want to do it. Maybe it is. But because, um, I mean, why would you go from Mr. Rogers to the demon then back to Mr. Rogers? It doesn't make a lot of sense. But let me, let me throw this at you. What if instead of a white rabbit we're talking about here, perhaps we could be talking about a bunny? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe the butcher and the blade easing on over from the AEW, bringing the bunny with them. The Got bunny. A new faction. Yeah. You know. What about bad bunny coming back? Could be bad bunny. Yeah. Bad bunny or bad baby, even. There could be a lot of catch me outside. They could have a street fight match. Now, I do want to point out. Uh, just to quickly touch on Raw from this past week. Uh, so the the can of worms with Rollins and Riddle seems to keep going. Um, <clears throat> they're going to have one of those Shame at Man specials. The, 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 what do they call those things? The Fight Club type? You know, they call, what do they call it? Back um, when they had the real tremendously yeah. stupid idea of having quote-unquote real fights and basically giving the lie to the rest of the show yeah. this had this started off during the pandemic if memory serves they would have yeah. these like bare bones stripped down like not in a ring but like in the loading dock of a home depot uh you know bare knuckle brawls that they build as being real which everyone knows they weren't real but it's basically saying hey enough of this fake crap we give you all the time let's have something real that's also fake so i I don't like the concept in general um you know they they tried it for real for real with the brawl for all um which we will i'm sure discuss at some point and has been discussed at length in other areas but a fake real i mean isn't the whole thing supposed to be fake real i mean what anyway never mind no this is real this is real real 
Yeah, right. Wink, wink, real, real. Yeah, it's real, 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 real stupid. Don't uh, don't ever yeah, do that it's again. So dumb. It's so dumb. Don't, don't do ever, that. Don't ever do that again. I mean, I appreciate the creativity uh, to an extent, but uh, it, that dog will not hunt. Shit. Yeah. That dog will not hunt. You feel me? But yeah, <sighs> I, I don't. It, well, there's also a QR code that came across the screen, and it takes you. We're talking about on Raw, of course. And it takes you to this game that the WWE has set up, and, it, and it's a, a game of Hangman. And uh, so Adam Page is coming to. Uh, you heard it here. Breaking news, folks. You heard it here first. Hangman, Adam Page, the WWE. Yeah, but it, it's, you know, got the creepy writing on it. And the question was uh, who ended the world or killed uh, Robert or, McNamara, if I'm not mistaken, right? Wasn't that him? <laughs> Well, um, it, it, uh, the answer on the hangman, uh, game was you did. Uh, so this now fans Oppenheimer. have, I'm sorry. Now fans have reached back and found an interview of Bray, uh, early Bray who said the same thing. Uh, I didn't, I didn't in, in the world, uh, you did. Yeah. The funny thing is maybe this is as a thing that we, we will, um, a difference we'll notice in the Triple H era versus the, the previous incarnations under uh, McMahon. McMahon used to famously think no way, nobody remembered anything. Like wrestling fans remember what you tell them, basically. But now we're going to like we're having to find these Easter eggs and run up to our TVs and click on a QR code like a code like a dumbass uh, to try and figure out who's coming back. So yeah, maybe we're seeing a real reversal here on the WWE's opinions of fan memory, which actually I'm kind of all for. I'm a big continuity guy. But yeah, it's it. This may be, it better be something like Bray Wyatt coming back, or else it's going to be a tremendous waste of time. And whoever they're trying to push with it is not going to get the reaction they want. But uh, as Robert Oppenheimer, not McNamara, I'm sorry, with the "I am become death, destroyer of worlds" quote. I was from about the, to say Robert McNamara, wasn't that Kennedy's uh, Secretary of State or something Secretary like that? Secretary of State or Secretary yeah. of Defense. Something like that. He was a secretary. He took a bunch of notes. Um, no, Robert Oppenheimer from the uh, from the Hindu scripture. Uh, I can't think right off the top of my head what the name of it is, but I'm sorry. Uh, the Bhagavad Gita, apparently. So, all right. I did all right. that up quick. Well, and check out next week's Talking Smart. Talking Smart. Well, we didn't do it. We're talking real smart now. We didn't get an Oscar <laughs> Wilde quote in the past couple of weeks, uh, so I had to had to class it up around here somehow. Got to talk real, real smart, not mm -hmm. fake, real smart. All right, yeah, real, real. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, that's a dumb idea. Without further ado, I do. We oh, shall. Done. That's it. Oh yeah. See you. Uh, All right. Bye. No, we'll, we'll, uh, we will hop right into this WrestleMania review as requested by a friend of the show, Nick. So picture, if you will, it's March 24th, 1991. Mm. You're at the Los Angeles Memorial sports arena. Not the LA Coliseum is originally booked, but we'll get to that. Not the LA Coliseum. Apparently tickets were down and they moved it somewhere smaller. Is that, that's not the reason they claim, but we'll get into that. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you are surrounded by 16,157 of your closest friends. As we say in Athens, 
Mm -hmm. The main event features Sergeant Slaughter, who turned his back on America, is taking on the super American Hulk Hogan. Uh, this match, I believe, is one of the first few where you saw gimmicky matches that you didn't normally see. Mm -hmm. uh, it features a special match of Blind Man's Bluff, which is... Well, which we're definitely going to get into. Rick Martle, the model Martell versus Jake the Snake Roberts. With his arrogance. Exactly. And Macho Man versus Warrior in a retirement match. Yeah, uh, bold. This, this pay-per-view also marked the beginning of Undertaker's much-heralded undefeated streak at WrestleMania. It was quite ballyhooed. Ballyhooed for quite a number of years. All the way for 21 appearances, not years, because there are a couple WrestleManias he missed in there. Well, this was the one in 21. This is the one in one and oh. Yes. In fact. And it also features the last match of the Hart Foundation as a tag team. Well, obviously, they would make returns later in years as one offs, but as a strictly yeah, tag say. team. Yeah, they would make returns later in later years as a stable of the Hart Foundation. And of course, Owen and Jim would tag as the new foundation uh, after this. But this is the last hurrah for uh, Brett and the Anvil as a, a permanent pairing. Yes. And um, business as a whole is down in 1991. It's down from its peak years. It's still running strong, but it is down overall. This pay-per-view did 400,000 pay-per-view buys compared to WrestleMania 6, which did 560,000 pay-per-view buys. Yeah, and the reason for that is that the 80s still had a lot of momentum that carried them all the way through 90. But as we get into the, uh, to, you know, the middle part of 1991 here, the 80s were starting to die down. They wouldn't completely go away until 93 when Nirvana uh, came and smashed and finally put the you know, final stake in the heart of the 1980s. But we're, we're seeing the 80s start to die down at this point. Yeah, a lot more pink uh, in this. A pink, a lot of, lot of uh, neon colors, um, yeah. slap bracelets big at this time. And Super. if I may also, um, you know, while we're talking about context for March 24th, 1991, number one film in all the land. Do you have any guesses? March 24th, 1991. I don't know. Not, that would uh, be the few good men. Oh no, sir! I'm so sorry. The Silence of the Lambs. In fact, yeah. Silence you, of the Lambs. Few good man was what 92. Yeah, it's gonna be 92. I think. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Let me let's throw it in the Google machine to find out here. You good no, men 92. Supposed... Yes. Yeah. I think because... we're still in Days of Thunder era. Uh, um, Tom Cruise at this point. Yeah, and I believe that this is the same year that Dances with Wolves comes out. Uh, because is I remember 91 or 90. Well, uh, I, I know that 90 uh, is dances yeah. with wolves. Well, wolves I know dances. that they beat out, um, uh, they being, uh, silence of the lambs beat out dances with wolves. Uh, it may the, have been late 90 at yeah. the Academy mm -hmm. Awards. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, October of 90 is when it would come out. Uh, well, it's premiere was it's actually wide release in November. Yeah. of 1990 so yeah you're right on right on target there yeah then i think a couple months later in january was the 
wide release of Silence of the Lambs. With, I think in order to be qualified for an Oscar, you have to have your premiere in the year that's covered there. So I think that they must have had their premiere uh, in 1990 for for uh, Silence of the Lambs if they were considered for that batch of Oscars. Yeah, I uh, that's actually the first Oscars that I remember watching, and honestly, I probably haven't watched one since like '05. But uh, well, I forget they I, every year I forget that they do it, and then I see commercials for that, and the Grammys like, oh shit, they still do that. But I, my story about Dances with Wolves is it's the first movie I remember being released on two cassette tapes on two uh, vhs tapes so yeah it's the first one i remember and then i think uh gone with the wind obviously is an earlier movie but i didn't see it on vhs until i just saw it on turner uh, turner network television uh all right number yes. one song of that week i would not have guessed this 1991 uh, uh how about i'll be by the proclaimers Wow, that is not a bad guess. I think you're a little early, in fact, for the Proclaimers, but this is Someday by Mariah Carey. Hmm. 91? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. Well, that's, I thought that's I had the same Mariah. response. That's what I'm saying. I, that's a, I had the same response because I remember like Hero was like 93, thereabouts, 93, 94, somewhere in that ballpark. But yeah, yeah I think uh, the Proclaimers are going to be uh, oddly a little bit after that. Oh, excuse me. No, that's early. Be, they're earlier than I thought they were. That's 88 for uh, 88? 500 miles. For some reason, yeah. I was thinking that they were early 90s. And I thought they were too. but Which no, was weird because they have a very 80s sound. That's that. Well, what did I say at the beginning of this? You thought I was full of crap, but no, the 80s were still going through 90 and into 91. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they wouldn't really peter out until Nirvana. So, yeah. Well, um, this is uh, actually one of the few times that WrestleMania failed to outdraw Royal Rumble and SummerSlam of the same year. Uh, Royal Rumble had, and SummerSlam. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, wow. Royal Rumble has uh, 440,000 buys and SummerSlam actually had 405. And uh, now, obviously, this is 1991. We're in the dead middle. Well, we're basically in the middle of our... Uh, feud with uh saddam hussein if you watched uh or listened uh last week you would understand what feud means mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. if you're or if you're just old enough uh you probably have heard oh, of i feud. certainly remember i i'm old enough i had desert storm trading cards that's right there were there were there were trading cards of, De of operation desert storm and i had those uh it was an interesting time in my life um uh, yeah, it says, you know, one of the most patriotic WrestleManias ever because we, we were nominally still at war, I guess, technically, although operations really wrapped up in February uh, for the most part. I think it was just peacekeeping from that point, but the actual Desert Storm, Operation Desert Storm itself uh, wound up in, in February uh, of 91. But that is why Sergeant Slaughter's heel turn uh, and we'll get more into this in the Hogan feud where he becomes the Iraqi sympathizer, uh, you know, and praises President Saddam Hussein and this, that, and the other. The company reason for moving this from the LA Coliseum, which if you recall your WrestleMania, you go back in your notes to WrestleMania 6, they advertise WrestleMania 7 to be at the LA Coliseum, home of the USC Trojans, and at the time, I guess, the Raiders and Rams as well from the National Football League. 
this would be before they dispersed from, from LA and before the Rams came back. Obviously, with the show's attendance and, and pay-per-view value being a little bit sluggish here, they moved the 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 show from the, uh, the outdoor Coliseum to the indoor LA Sport and much smaller LA Sports Arena, allegedly due to concerns about snipers taking out Sergeant Slaughter because of his Iraqi sympathizer gimmick. That was the company line, if I'm recalling that correctly. Please back, you can correct me if I'm wrong there. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah it's one of these things where Vince was not going to sell it. That the, the, you know, the, the tidal wave of wrestling in the 80s was dying down. Uh, they weren't even making Rambo movies at this point anymore. So you know the 80s are fi- officially coming to an end when you stop having Rambo movies for a while. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just a bizarre cover story to me because i don't know that that's been the case at all although sergeant slaughter does indicate that you know people had called his house or something or sent some threatening mail to his house and, and uh i believe he said the fbi had to go to his house you know, yeah a time he, or two he had to have a uh, security around him at all time to- at all times yeah. so he yeah. actually did have a bulletproof vest that he wore under his clothes uh in a lot of public appearances uh, this Which is, I mean, for his gimmick makes a lot of sense. So you can just wear it openly. Hey, you know, it, you know Sarge had heat big time. Um, he had been an old school heel back in the WWF, I think, before they'd even made the, the name change to WWF. He was a badass heel back in the day. If, you, if anyone wants to go back and look up his match with Pat Patterson and one of the first, uh, you know, hardcore style matches in the WWF at the time, but then he made a, a baby face turn um, in the eighties. And then he got, he signed his deal with GI Joe. Uh, didn't want to pay Vince any money out of that. And so he left the WWF, did some stuff with the AWA, but had his GI Joe contract through the really big boom period of the mid to late eighties. And then that I guess wound down and he showed back up in, um, in the WWF but as this uh, Iraqi sympathizer. Yeah. And this is after uh, Sarge had actually had a pretty good feud with the Iron Sheik, uh, who yeah. later joined him as Colonel Mustafa in this point. And, and not to get too far ahead right here, but I do want to mention that uh, he w- it, that feud was very well, uh, very widely known. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, Sarge tells stories of, uh, uh, Richard Nixon uh, stopping mm-hmm. and, and shaking his hand because he knew who Sarge was. He he talks about meeting uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, President Reagan at the time. That's right. And Reagan comes up to him and says, I just love how you took on that iron cheek. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, Sarge very much, I mean, not Hulkamania level, but he oh, no the sergeant he's, ran, ran he's moderate he's in gi joe mm-hmm. he's uh, you know, meeting all of these celebrities he's on all the, the promos and everything else sarge is over big time in the late 80s uh sure well yeah he, he was i mean he was on the doggone um gi joe cartoon i mean knowing was ha- it was indeed half the battle and a matter of fact the he had his own hasbro uh, figure came out well mm-hmm. he had a hasbro figure come out later it looked like an ljn and uh 
there were talks about him doing a uh, a sergeant slaughter hasbro figure at that point in time the prototype was made matt cardona has it but mm-hmm. the uh obviously it didn't hit stores because at that point in time wwe was licensing out sergeant slaughter to gi joe so there was a sergeant slaughter gi joe but not a sergeant slaughter wrestler uh hasbro so it's a uh, yeah man he <laughs> he was probably czar intellectual property web there yeah and you could i would say probably outside of hulk hogan sarge probably had at that point in time and still has a fine one today but he had the most widespread appeal uh and and as well as widespread products probably of anyone uh his q rating was was real high yeah absolutely i mean he had he had to be two or three in merch uh, and he's a recognizable dude he's got that you know lantern jaw and he has big guy yeah you don't you don't really mistake him for other people although i do mistake my buddy will's dad for for sergeant slaughter and i completely shattered his view of his own father when i said so you know your dad looks a lot like sergeant slaughter right so oh my god (laughs) you're right so anyway friend of the show will yeah all right well yeah sarge was super over but he turned his back on america when america needed him the most right, uh, yeah, yeah i'm amazed we got through the the gulf war without sarge yeah and we'll uh well, let's let's put a bookmark on this and and go yeah, go into yeah. go into that when we get when we get towards the match um as far as the build is concerned anyways sure so uh we're starting off the uh the wrestlemania 7 here you got willie nelson singing america the beautiful Willie Nelson, obviously one of the best to ever do it, but I wonder if he knows where he's at. Um, well, all he would at, have to do would be to look down at his shirt or up at his back. I mean, he is a walking gimmick stand here. He's got the WrestleMania shirt on. He's got the Hogan bandana. He is duded up for this performance. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, he's, uh, iconic and always good to see old Willie and, uh, he was only, so, he was a spry 78 here at this point, uh, yeah. almost 40 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 30 he, plus years he ago. He just had all of his stuff auctioned off by the IRS and he needed uh, the gig. Yeah. Well, guys got to get over and, hey. uh, so ain't cheap. <laughs> in a, uh, dark match, uh, this is actually prior to Willie, I believe, uh, Coco beware defeated the Brooklyn brawler. Uh, so shout out to Coco beware for winning at WrestleMania. Uh, and let's also name drop Frankie, the parrot. Yeah. Name drop Frankie, uh, uh, rest in peace, Frankie. I'm pretty sure he's dead now. No, he died uh, in the house fire. Didn't he? I think that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, poor Frankie. But anyways, so yeah, shout out to those guys. And we're getting started off here with old hacksaw coming down, wearing yeah, the old red, white, and blue. Uh, that would be Atlanta Falcons legend hacksaw, Jim Duggan. Yes, SMU legend, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And very briefly for the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, well, I, I, you know, it'd be great to get a Hacksaw Jim Duggan jersey you know, I've, signed. I've, I have almost pulled the trigger on a customized jersey. Hacksaw. If they do the throwback red jerseys, I'm going to do it because that's the one he would have worn at the hmm. time okay. when he was there. Yeah, so yeah, so shout out to, I think, number 66, if, if memory serves, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah. Yeah, definitely got to get that. 
Man, please give me oh, excuse this. me, 79. I'm sorry. Yeah, please give me this hacksaw right here with the suit and the hat and everything in figure form. Oh, the uh, uh, Uncle Sam hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got you to give it to me. Give me, give me Apollo Creed uh, <laughs> hacksaw. That's uh, right. It is. That's Rocky Four Apollo Creed uh, hacksaw there. But uh, anyways, he's doing color commentating for the first match, and I believe that this is his tryout. Uh, Jesse the Body Ventura was released in August of 1990 uh, after litigation and his failed attempt to organize a union. Uh, Jesse Ventura obviously had been color commentating for years, uh, I believe, since WrestleMania three. Um, but anyways, he had he had been uh, been the heel commentator that JD talks about so much uh, for a number of years. Uh, he's probably actually one of the better ones in my oh, opinion. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I love him. I'd probably put him just under Jerry Lawler. And, um, but anyways, uh, so this is going to take us into our first match, which is the Rockers versus Haku and Barbarian. Are you talking about Haku and Barbarian? Legit two of the baddest individuals to ever step in the ring and into a bar. They, uh, if I, Haku has famously bitten a man's nose off in mm -hmm. bar fights, and Barb was there to help him in pretty much all of them. Well, not that he needed it, but just it's always always good to have a spare. Uh, it helps to have a driver yeah, <laughs> that's right. to get you out of there. Um, and Bar the Barbarian. only person that's known to uh, intimidate Barbarian, Barbarian's wife. Yeah, that's it. Is is, is the legend? Yeah, and uh, I believe Jake the Snake Robert says. Uh, you know, if it was me and a tank and I had a missile to take out Haku, he said, I'd probably just jump in front of the tank and let it hit me instead because I don't want him pissed off at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But uh, oh, anyways, I, those island boys, man. Yeah, man, I, I, I really like this match. Uh, the Rockers, of course, we got Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, by the they way, they love to wrestle and they love to party. By the way, uh, Marty Janetti just had surgery on a knee, so get well, Marty. We need you around. Yeah, may or may not uh, have murdered a man with a brick sometime in, in the 70s. Uh, if, if you listen to Marty Janetti, you're going to go insane. But if you just read some of the things that he has said, yeah, whew, that, that guy is yeah, he's I, a lot. I, so, yeah, suggest, get rest up, get well soon, Marty. Yeah, I suggest following his uh, Facebook rather than listening to his interviews. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a scene. It's a whole scene. Uh, and before we move on, I want to point out you, you mentioned uh, Duggan coming out to do commentary. That something that they do on this show that I really like is we have Monsoon at the desk uh, for the whole show. We have kind of a rotating cast of um, color commentators. We have Duggan is going to be there. We're obviously going to have Heenan at certain points. Uh, we're going to have. Um, who else comes out? Uh, well, obviously in the main event we have Regis that we'll get to, but then there was a, another one, and I can't think off the top of my head who it was, but we'll get we'll get to it. Uh, but I like it because it gives you a different voice uh, at, at the desk without the traffic jam that is the three and four man booth most mm -hmm. of the time. So I like this. I wish they would do something more like this, it, it, like Raw. 
in the 96, 98 era, it wasn't always JR and the King. It was whoever happened to be there. Sometimes it was JR and Cornette. Sometimes it was King and, and Vince. Sometimes, you know, it's just a random assortment of people that I think helps the audience from getting sort of announcer fatigue. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I must say that as much as I love Hacksaw, he really went away on commentary in this match, uh, which is a tad surprising considering how rambunctious he appears to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You would I, think he would take it over. Yeah. You would think so. But, uh, it just, it's not for everybody. Um, yeah. But anyways, this match goes. Well, for, look at uh, Ted DiBiase when he had a, a sorry, sorry, not to oh, get off on tangent, but Ted, Ted DiBiase, who was a great talker, uh, you know, had, a really tough time trying to adjust to to the color commentary role and it was not long for it i mean it was worth a shot with him can you figure ted DiBiase? he's a great promo this, this should be fine but it just wasn't his thing and he wasn't good at it yeah and he, i think he would admit he wasn't good at it yeah it's it's a little bit different when you're not really you're not really playing off the crowd whenever you're talking here uh, right. you're, you're not getting yourself over you're trying to get somebody else over that you're not affiliated with. yeah it's uh yeah, it's, it's, it's just a little different and, uh, yeah. it's not for everyone, but you know, there are some mm -hmm. that just can't go in the ring, but they're great on, uh, in the booth, uh, Corey yeah. Gray, Corey Graves, for example, um, he wasn't yeah, the best he's... wrestler when he was well, but uh, obviously he's been hurt, but he's, mm -hmm. I, I would never say that he was the best promo, but he's really good at commentating. He's coming uh, to his own, uh, on the commentary table. That, that is certainly true. But, uh, yeah. He's, and Taz, he, Taz. Taz was never a strong promo. He is now. He is he is now. Today Taz is. But when he first transitioned into the commentary business, what is this? He can't talk. <laughs> but like, exactly. he was a great, he was a great color announcer. And now he has become a very good manager promo. Exactly. And uh so this this match, uh, according to Dave Meltzer, goes for 1031. Um it's uh, aside from two awesome looking over the knee backbreakers, Haku did not look good in this match, but the rockers are so good on big shows like this that mm -hmm. it more than makes up for uh, their short for any of their foes shortcomings. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Sorry. I didn't mean, cut off your rating there. <laughs> I, I'm just quoting Meltzer here. Uh, mm -hmm. Michael's made the hot tag after the four minute heat spot and they went to the finish. Very good opener, but the one drawback was Jim Duggan's color color commentary uh, was horrible. Or lack thereof, kind of. Just, yeah, sort of. Anyways, Meltzer gave it uh, three three and a half stars. Uh, I tend to I tend to somewhat agree with that. So mm -hmm. I give it I give it three and a quarter. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down for you, JD. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Uh, as you said, the 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 big guys, the Samoans, were a little bit. Um, uh, sluggish somewhat in this match but but the rockers always bring the heat they always have that big match energy by which i mean cocaine i mean uh they are ready to go uh when the lights are the are the brightest so they're they're ready to go uh they they carry this match to me and not just because they're the ones that really have to sell for the most part but uh no i, I really like the rockers i'm a, i'm really one of my favorite trivia notes is that the rockers never officially were WWF tag team champions and they darn well should have been. Yeah. They won the is, belts uh, and, the, and then that was the match where the rope came off the ring they, mm -hmm. over the heart, heart foundation. That was like, I think at a house show. Yeah. And then they just said, no, that never happened. Never mind. Forget it. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, 
yeah, that is a bit of a bit of a shame. But uh, anyways, you want to take the next one? Yeah. So uh, the next segment here is uh, Mean Gene Okerlund. God, do I miss that man? I, they, we talk about people that are, we talk about Mount Rushmore. So this, that. there's just not a number two in the behind the scene behind the scenes stick man for for me uh, with, with Mean Gene Okerlund. He is far and away. He he is the the Kleenex, the Xerox, the Coca Cola of, of backstage interview guys like that he is the guy um and he shows it here keeping track of regis uh philbin alex trebek and marla maple is this pre the Mar- marla maples trump era or because i know both she and we'll see don you know the, the donald uh the future uh 45th president of the united of these united states later in the show but at this point is she just marla maples when did they get together i honestly do not know let me throw that Go google machine point is uh that she is here she, you know she does a great job as the guest ring uh excuse me bell ring what what is what do they call it anyway she rings the bell for the main event is the point but uh regis is always electric on camera god bless these guys that came up in the old school radio and television days they are entertainers and regis philbin is no exception uh alex trebek god rest his soul um yeah, he, he does a great job here, too. And I always love the gimmick that um, Oakland would do. A very close personal, longtime friend, so-and-so, and they don't remember his name. Uh, it, it's stupid, but I love it dearly. Uh, Alex calls him Jim here. <laughs> but mm-hmm. every, time he, every time he says that, and it won't be the last time he says it on this show, you know they've never met. It's yeah. so good. Uh, so they were married in December of 1993. However, I do believe that Donald Are they canoodling at this point? Yeah, Donald had already filed for divorce with Ivana and I believe they were dating. In ninety one. So they were already so this isn't where they met those two star crossed lovers we have here. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, anyway, so Marla Maples, yeah, Regis and, and Alex Trebek. There, that's great. Uh, and we're going to get some great commentary by uh, by the brain later uh, towards the main event when Regis is in the booth with him. We'll get to it later. But, uh, yeah, good good times. As for the next match in the ring, uh, Royal Rumble uh, bitch press champion uh, Dino Bravo, the Canadian strongman, uh, versus the uh, Kerry Von Erich uh, Texas Tornado. What? They start off as the Texas Tornado Carry Von Eric here in the WWF. Uh, and then they slowly got rid of the Carry Von Eric part. He just became the Texas Tornado by the end of his run. Um, both of them run afoul of uh, the wrong end of a gun to end their lives, unfortunately. Uh, Dino, not voluntarily. Um, but uh, and Carry, unfortunately, by his own hand. Uh, there's a real, real interesting dark side of the ring on uh, on Dino, well, on both these guys actually, but the Dino Bravo one is fascinating. Uh, he had some alleged ties to some some Montreal mafia, which I didn't know was a thing, uh, and which included running, uh, I guess, untaxed cigarettes from Indian reservations across the border. Anyway, it's a whole thing. It's fascinating. It's on Vice. Go check it out when you have a chance. Uh, but yeah, Dino Bravo versus the Texas Tornado here. We've got our wonderful referee, Mike Kyoto. Check out his every other week podcast as well. Uh, we've got typical strongman stuff from Dino. Uh, we've got, although, you know, carries a hell of an athlete himself, obviously, and strong as a bull. Um, eventually we get the 
Iron Claw, which is his, the family finish or the Von Erich family finish uh, back in the old world class days. But then he would have the uh, tornado punch. He spins around and does, does the punch. I'm doing it, and this is a, an audio format, so it doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what I'm talking the, about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about the tornado punch. You can picture it. That would become his finisher here in the WWF, and that is how he wins it. They don't all have to be war and peace. This certainly wasn't. Uh, this was more of a pamphlet than, than, than a, even a novel. So, uh, you know, that, a lot of times that's all you need. Get in, get out, get done. I, I like it. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Um, both of these fellas, tragic figures in their own rights, but incredibly interesting. Yeah, the, uh, yeah that, that dark side of the ring with Dino Bravo, my gosh, when his daughter starts talking, it's, it's, it's so sad. It is. But, uh, I had no idea. Like I, a lot of this stuff, I had no clue. Yeah. You know, it just, but just well done. But yeah, as far as the match is concerned, I didn't hate it. I give it two and a half stars. Uh, Meltzer did not like it at all. Uh, he called, he says uh, both work as fast, as hard as their limited speed and abilities would allow, but the execution mm -hmm. was bad. Bravio, uh, excuse me. Bravo did his finishing side slam two minutes in, but Von Eric kicked out. Von Eric got the claw in 30 seconds later and held it until finishing bravo with his punch i guess the days of bravo's undeserved push as a main eventer are over oh, well, who, did he rip them off on some black market cigarettes what happened here uh, uh, i don't know I, just, I forgot to mention this is going to be after obviously carrie's motorcycle accident where his uh, his foot like the front part of his foot is is amputated yes yeah so um that would help that would obviously help slow him down a little bit there dave uh which obviously dave would know would know would have known about this but uh yeah no, some yeah. harsh words yeah the, the gosh man the with the hindsight looking back that too was vicious right there uh, <laughs> you just you're mean you're just a mean pick, girl picking on a one uh one oh, guy a footed a, man yeah and this is a guy that's about to get whacked by the mob. They're about to get whacked off by the the mafia here. Oof. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that, man. I, like At I said, least we I, are in, we are still knee deep in sweet mullet territory. Oh yeah, man, mullet's not quite gone. Uh, we uh, the mullets are get, just getting started, baby. Ninety one. <laughs> I, I rocked that crap in ninety two, ninety three. Yeah, man. We still got Billy Ray Cyrus, so we're we're good for another three years right here. Yeah, our hearts are still achy breaking exactly but uh so moving on uh the next promo you had warlord and slick uh given their uh promo here and obviously slick's uh pretty pretty good on the mic warlord's uh, surprisingly not terrible on the on this no, one. He, he's coherent um i tell you what i don't like about Warlord while we're being uh overly negative that stupid mask that looks like a you know spirit halloween plastic phantom of the opera man it, looks awful come on man why do we want to detract from this guy's build look at this guy this is vitamin s on full display here um but i, I will say this i love these old locker room promos mm -hmm. i wish we had that and if you remember like when a guy would be coming down to the ring they'd do the little picture in picture promo just a quick in and out mm -hmm. that's so much better to me than you know a 20 minute rambling promo from the game i can't okay dude i can't with this all the time and there was a period of about five years there where that was every opening segment of raw and then i stopped watching yeah the uh, mcmahon i'll, I'll give you five years on that the mcmahon helmsley um, era god 
So I miss these little short, sweet, 30 second or less. Hey, I'm a, I'm a kick your ass, uh, Hank Hill type promos and bring it back guys. This, especially the picture in picture on the way down the ramp. Yeah. This is who you are. This is who I am. And I'm going to kick your ass basically. Ooh, love how, it. Love that's it. How, that's how that goes. And that that's real life. Uh, rather than well, and back when they still had sets, you know, with the, you know, we either had the locker room or we'll see several with the backdrop with the, uh, the WrestleMania, um, you know, logo and all that sort of thing on it and not just randomly standing around in the back, like we're dumbasses don't have anywhere to be. And we didn't intend to do this. I mean, it, it's okay. If we know that this is a setup interview and, you know, even sometimes they would say we caught his recorded statements earlier today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that what's wrong with that? Nothing. It seems great to me. I, that that is something I'm bizarrely nostalgic for. Yeah. Well, apparently no one has escaped the Oilers full Nelson. It's funny that escaping the full Nelson is a recurring contest in the WWE. Uh, looking at you, Chris Masters and Bobby Lashley, and Hercules. Right? Didn't Hercules have a a full was Nelson? A, was it a full Nelson that he had? I thought he was. I thought he had a, a, a full Nelson challenge at one point. That, that may have been. That may be. I, hell, it could have been Dino. But uh, well, Dino had the weights. He did the bench press no, thing at the first bench, Royal Rumble. The bench press, where there were clearly you know fake weights in. Yeah, yeah like, that's, it that's was really, 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 really bad. But anyways, point being, I've seen this before, <laughs> and uh, I guess it never really registers. To, to me until i watch some of this old stuff i'm like gosh they're still doing that um yeah hercules had the full nelson as well but uh yeah this so this is a interesting tidbit this is the first time that the announcers refer to the british bulldog as davy boy smith is that a fact that is a fact um, well now are we because at this point dynamite kid is out of the picture so we, yes. we we don't have the british bulldogs tag team anymore no so we, he's just the one British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Yeah, he had just been the British Bulldog. Uh, this is the first time as a singles that he has been referred to as Davy Boy. Um, now, Davy Boy's promo is is cool and everything. He says he will break the hold, but it seems like he should have said that she'll never have an opportunity to put it in because I'm going to kick your ass. But uh, I digress. Uh, it, it was, you know, Davy Boy was pretty decent on the mic. Uh, not a not anybody's going to blow you out the saddle, but he's not going to lose you the game either. Oh yeah, he's a a game manager, if you will. Exactly. So uh, Davy Boy walks in with a uh, old damn good dog Winston. Uh, no more Matilda here, and uh, I actually kind of miss the real animal mascots here and there. Uh, maybe a Lord Alfred Hayes is the other commentator I was trying to think of. Sorry. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, we actually have a. We actually have uh, Bobby Heenan back on commentary yes. for this match, so thank God for that. Best to do it, best and, to ever do it. And uh, and I made a note here. I so said I sure wish these guys would hit the gym every so often. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe maybe consider some steroids as well. Uh, <laughs> hey, I tell you, this is a walking advertisement for vitamin S. Right the uh, Davy Boy clotheslines Warlord to the outside. Davy Boy, uh, surprisingly agile for his size. Uh, well, because he, uh, this is right around the time he really started to beef up. He's obviously the bigger of the two with the British Bulldogs, but he could move around the ring in his Calgary days and his first WWF run there was as a tag. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's uh, he's up here attempting a crucifix. Uh, yeah, 
Well, it's it's the it's bizarrely the pay per view for big guys trying to do the athletic moves, as we'll see in the uh, main event. Hulk Aloysius Hogan to the top rope. What I didn't know he knew that was there. We'll we'll, we'll get there. Go ahead. Exactly. Uh, it's a surprisingly good match. Uh, oftentimes, uh, two power guys make for boring theater, but uh, in this one, I, I was entertained. The uh, and, and you have a tightrope to walk with the power guys. You got to pace it just right. Yeah. And I think this is a uh, dangerous Danny Davis reffing. Uh, okay. It's, it's, it's not Morella and I know it's not Kyoto. Um, and as he promised, Davy boy uh, does break the full Nelson and displays huge power by power slamming warlord for the win. That's a I give it too. I give it three stars. I enjoyed it. Uh, Meltzer gave it two and a half. I want to say thumbs up just for the nostalgia factor, but I, it's just, I don't know. It's not, it's not all the way there for me. So I'm, I'm going to have to give this one a slight thumbs down. Um, uh, we're not like doing said, thumbs in the middle anymore. Eh, do we did I ever do thumbs in the middle? Yeah. Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Okay. Well, all right. I'll give you, okay. I'll give you a thumb in the middle for this one. Cause I, it's as, it's as good as a match between these two was going to be. I'll well, say that, you know, shout out to warlord. Since I know he listens to the podcast, I just gave you a, I just gave you a thumb in the middle. It was going to be down. Mm-hmm. I had yeah. To... Was he our Canadian listener? I don't know where the uh, warlord is hiding these days. Is he, is he Canadian? No. Oh, okay. But I hate for some hey, reason, hey, Minnesota you know, is, is, uh, I sound say like somebody who's never had a flea of jurisdiction in your life. Let me just say that. <laughs> no, they, they ended up catching me in it. Um, All right. But uh, yeah, like I said, I I, I thought it was uh, very enjoyable. Um, surprisingly, uh, mm-hmm. you want to uh, take the next one? Yeah. So we got more promos, more backstage promos again. Uh, pre-recorded comments taken earlier today. Uh, we have the Heart Foundation. I'm going to start pulling on my beard here as as Anvil always tug on his goatee. <laughs> love love that guy. Love it. Just I mean, just absolutely zero to one hundred. You got cool, calm, collected Bret Hart which even when he's trying to be intense, it still comes across as cool, calm, and collected. And you have the unbridled fury uh, of Jim the Anvil Neidhart, uh, the big, big rhino uh, on his promos. And so, you know, again, just a classic old school uh, 80s era WWF promo. Love it. Uh, we got the Hart Foundation, the world heavyweight, excuse me, world tag team champion Hart Foundation versus the Nasty Boys. Here we go. And as um, you pointed out earlier, and we discussed, this is their last uh, chance to team up as the Hart Foundation tag team, the original Hart Foundation. So I think that kind of gives a little bit of a hint as to which way this match goes. Uh, Yeah. Jimmy Hart in a motorcycle hill? I don't remember that at all. Is this part of the... Like, I, I remember Heenan had the full body, like, dog suit thing when he's managing against no 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 when he had um he's managing against davy boy may have been the british bulldogs entirely when they had matilda out there and he would wear like the you know the uh police training like police dog training suit uh but i I don't know i don't understand the helmet maybe that had something to do with uh, you know I, maybe I'm just out of context, not seeing the wrestling challenges or whatever that led up to this. Um, but yeah, the helmet kind of was weird. Heart Foundation, as we're going to use our word of the day, huge pop as they come out. I'm sorry I cut you off. Go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, I think he's just playing off the fact that the, uh, the nasty boys are bikers. Um, okay. Yeah, maybe so. I, I think, I think that's it. Well, we're going to see Jimmy Hart come out later with a, uh, a Royal Canadian mounted police inspired jacket when he comes out to manage the Mountie in a, in the very rare WrestleMania squash match, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, yeah, so Macaulay Culkin, for, hot on the heels of his uh, Home Alone and Uncle Buck uh, debuts here uh, in 1991, uh, is shown in the audience. Um, one of several people to get the Mila Kunis punch card, uh, punch on his card there. So down the road, it's good <laughs> for him. Um, Anvil, you know, he he's an old. It's funny. I'm going to relay this story that I may have told the podcast before, but. If so, just deal with it. Abby, my wife, and I went to a WWE house show a few years ago back when Rhino was still on the roster. Not the Rhino, not Jim D'Angelo, Ryan Neidhart, but Terry, last uh, ECW champion, Rhino, uh, was still on the on the roster. And golly, you would not have thought it going in, but he knew how to work the crowd like nobody's business. And I see that here with Neidhart as well, just playing to the crowd, getting them into it. Just that old worker energy is the best way I can describe it. Maybe it's cocaine. Maybe it's Maybelline, uh, but he's getting the crowd into it and getting them excited. Um, <laughs> you know, we've got a big pop again, knobs, God bless him. There were, the ring was not mics, but I could hear him breathing. Uh, 30 years later, uh, it's amazing to me. Like I get why, you know, Finn Balor and AJ Styles and these guys that are in phenomenal shape, how they can do what they do. How the hell do knobs and sags get away with being wrestled? Like they should be dead. Like they should have had a coronary in the ring. Just, I mean, breathing knocks the wind out of these guys, but it's incredible to me, but they do a great, great job here. They're, I think an underrated tag team considering they've done pretty much everything there is to do in, in, in wrestling yeah. or at the time. I mean, they were all over the place and everybody always loved having them. Um, you know, knobs is obviously part of the Hogan gang with the, uh, with the Jimmy hearts and the Brutus beefcakes of the world who always, you know, get some kind of money off of Hulk Hogan. Um, yeah. So the, we had uh, Brett, breaking out some of his future five moves of doom with the uh, Russian leg, leg sweep and the second rope elbow drop. Uh, these are always preludes to, to the, uh, the sharpshooter, or I guess actually it's actually the scorpion death lock. Cause I think it's, excuse me, how it was originated in Japan. And then he learned it uh, from Conan, if I'm not mistaken. And, am, I, and, am I wrong in thinking that sting had the scorpion death lock before Bret Hart had the sharpshooter? I don't think you're wrong because I think at the time Sting would have debuted the Scorpion Deathlock. I think Brett was still really in the throes of his tag team career, so he would not have really been using singles finishers like that for a while. I mean, I think he had the heart attack maybe before he had the sharpshooter. Um, so, no, I, I can't prove it, but you might be right there. But of course, he does make it famous. I, I, I would say, even as a diehard little stinger myself uh i love bret hart as well but he kind of made really put the sharpshooter on the map i think uh but anyway knobs cuts him off here uh hard throw into the corner sacks and knobs both look like they're drawing some heavy breaths here which kind of shows in, in sort of the loosey-goosey 
backbreaker, kind of sloppy uh, rest hold. Who was it? Was it sign guy Dudley who had the sign that rest hold in progress that would that would come across? I think I think you're right. Was it sign guy Dudley in ECW? Anyway, yeah. but yeah, so we get a camel clutch, and I should I just picture sign guy Dudley walking past with the rest hold in progress. Um, Anvil continues to work the crowd. Uh, you know, gets the hot tag, but cla- in a classic trope, the ref misses the hot tag. That's why I don't know why it works, but it did back in the day. You'd see, well, Eddie Guerrero did it again in sort of a later term, but old tag teams used to do the thing where they clap behind the referee's back to make them think there was a tag and they jump in. Anyway, um, we got a great sequence of um, moves here, and then all of a sudden, uh, Sags. Accidentally tagged by the megaphone, by Jimmy Hart's megaphone. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Brett and Anvil hit their tag team finisher, and Anvil gets hit by the megaphone, comes back into play that wily Jimmy Hart with his megaphone. Uh, and then we have Anvil taking the loss here to really spin Brett out to bigger and better things as a single. But this is going to be the end of not only their tag team championship run, but really their run as a tag team. So, uh, Nasty Boys, your new WWF World Tag Team Champions. Yeah, uh, Meltzer gave it three and a half stars. I'm going to agree with uh, Meltzer on this one. That's that's where I put it. Uh, very well put together match. Um, the only real draw here is uh, the Nasty Boys got gassed, which, you know, like I, I made a note here saying that Brian Knobs has been a walking heart attack since birth. Um, I, I think. Again, well, as I, opposed I to the last match where the guys were on the gas, these guys are just gassed. Yeah, it's uh, they're they're the Babe Ruth of the tag teams. They do it on beer and hot dogs. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Anyway, so uh, next up we've got the Jake Roberts versus Rick the Model Martell in a blindfold match. Or uh, you well, know, hood, I, but, yeah. you know, I I believe it. The name of it was Blind Man's Bluff, was it not? I don't remember that being the name. It may okay. have been, but here's the thing: we get a we get a good video package, and we see this sort of uh, along and along. It's not quite the perfected art that it would become, but we get a um, really good video package here explaining the feud, rather than just a backstage promo. Uh, you know, we have a video package highlighting. Uh, I guess Rick was trying to spray Damien, or was this Lucifer? Where are we at? What time frame is this? Anyway, the snake is the point. He's trying to spray that with the, um, you know, the, the atomizer of Aragon's perfume, eau de parfum, um, and gets Jake in the eye, which, as we all know, makes your eye go white, and you can't see <laughs> out of both eyes, but only one of them goes white. It's it's a weird thing. It's science. It, it would take a scientist to explain it, so I'm not going to try here, uh, but that's what happens. So Jake regains his sight, but in order to have the, an appropriate ironic twist on the match, they're going to do the, the hoods over the match, which I got to say the camera work actually kind of ruins it here. Cause if you notice right when they get started, right before they start, when they're putting on the hoods and checking everything, Jake sticks his hand through the inside of the hood. And you can see it through the hood, giving away the entire <laughs> gimmick of how this works. They just happen to catch a shot of it. And they're like, Oh, come on, man. Seriously. <laughs> So obviously, yes, they can see each other through the hoods, but it's one of those weird, you know, Halloween type, Halloween costume type um, hoods where you can see through it from the inside, but you can't really see into it unless, again, you're holding your hand right up against the mesh. 
yeah. then you can. But it's one of those crazy things I've actually seen one time in person, and it did this exact same thing every time where the the baby face you know points like moves moves his hand back and forth across the ring, and the crowd yells when he's pointing at the heel, and so they try, tries to find him that way. It, it's a whole thing. It lasts in my opinion, a little long, this gimmick kind of wears thin to me. Maybe it's because I saw his hand through the hood. So it kind of ruined, it took me out of it, but I felt like it, it dragged a little, but obviously we get, you know, we, we get Jake with the DDT here and, and the win. I have not seen any court records of a mass tort or any sort of products liability case against the manufacturers of Aragons eau de parfum mm-hmm. um which would have you would assume as ready to cash a check as jake is he would have pursued all legal avenues there to uh to to be compensated well, for his, you know his he, injury. he could just you know call stephen p new <laughs> well, or he's us. Not a sponsor of our show yeah but say we're freaking attorneys too pal <laughs> uh so or, let's not uh, start plugging somebody else or maybe smart mark sterling how about that um, yeah there you go or what was the uh, what was the guy from the Nation of Domination, uh, who was actually an attorney but Clarence name? Clarence um, Mason. Clarence Mason. Mason. Yeah. Yeah. Did actually end up being a being an attorney. I think it was. An well, I think he already before. was an attorney. He just yeah. That, that's just not his actual name. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I so I'm not even going to rank this match because I mean it's a gimmick. It's just Skaga. A, yeah, it's, 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 Skaga. A, it's a it's a glorified promo. And uh, but to be the honest, I was way into it though. Yeah, Let's give credit. Mean, the crowd was way into it. I'm not going to say it wasn't entertaining because it was. Uh, but uh, yeah, it I just went a little long for me. I just, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a it's a good performance from both men. It's not a good wrestling match. Uh, and uh, you know, if I if I was ranking it on comedy, I'd guess I give it two and a half stars. But uh, yeah, I just it's not a it's just not a I don't, as much as I respect both men, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rank it at all. I'm just going to pretend it was, or I'm not pretend. I'm just going to say that it was enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you're not going to rank this, uh, rate this as a match match. It's just a full on gimmick to your point, but you know, both guys uh, are tremendous workers in their own right. We, we have lauded rightfully um, Jake, the snake as a master of ring psychology. And this is part of that. I mean, that's, that's what this is. This is an exercise in ring psychology uh, with, you know, pointing and having the crowd guide you to the, the opponent. But yeah. So it, you know, it's a fun little gaga match. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I think that, uh, again, it was enjoyable, just not a, not a wrestling match, but moving on, we've got, uh, coming up next, we've got Regis Philbin and Alex Trebek, uh, giving entertaining interviews, uh, with Taker and, uh, Paul bear and crush and smash and the Orient express and Jake Roberts with Damien. It's, it's interesting that Jake Roberts gives a promo after his match. Yeah, well, obviously these are pre-recorded comments earlier in the day. So Damien, so it was Damien. This isn't Lucifer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, but yeah, no. I, and of course, Trebek does the thing of being scared of the snakes, saying doesn't even like having snakes as a category on Jeopardy. Which it, there's not a snake in the studio when you anyway, whatever. It's fine. Uh, Regis with a weird promo that I don't think is going to cut the muster in 2022 with the Orient Express where he uh, tries to you know, pantomime his way through an interview. They allegedly don't speak English. Regis is Japanese, probably has not really, he probably hadn't kept up with it since World War II. Um, 
so he, he's they can't really communicate until he says, "What is it, Toyota?" Oh yeah, Toyota, Isuzu, Columbia Pictures, which I guess Sony had just bought Columbia Pictures. Is why he brings that up. I'm sure it was hilariously topical in 1991, but I don't think that 30 years down the road is necessarily what uh, you're going to see on WWE television these days. Yes, and uh, <laughs> Regis Philbin, you know what a what a showman! Oh my God, classic uh, this, showman! And Alex Trebek, just a uh, just a national treasure. Plus, and, well. But not this nation. That would be our Canadian listener. That would be his his treasure. Well, he, he um, moved. He moved to California and became a citizen. So he's. But a classic, a classic straight man. If, if it was perfect to be a straight man, you know, for for you know Jake Roberts and Damien and all that, um, you know, it, it would be Alex Trebek. So he, he has screen presence and and a darn good interview. So yeah, up next we have uh, Ultimate Warrior taking on Randy Savage, and this is probably the Ultimate Warrior's best match, one of his I'm best matches. Gas, watch this. <gasps> you mean his best match was against the greatest of all time, Randy Macho Man Savage? You don't say. Well, one of them. One of them. Uh, you know, you got to say like on Ultimate Warrior's matches, his top four's got to be WrestleMania six, WrestleMania seven. And both of his matches with Rick Rude. I was gonna say Rick Rude is gonna be on on that list. WrestleMania six. I mean, it's just the match wasn't good. It was just a great build. Uh, it, it was just the machine of WWE that was firing or WF that was firing on all cylinders at the time. Anyway, that's a different pay per view. We're not gonna do, get into that. But su suffice to say, it's not a shock to this observer, wink wink, that. Uh, Randy Macho Man Savage was able to get one of his better matches out of Ultimate Warrior. So yeah, and I, you know, you really gotta enjoy the the angle that they had booked into the match. Uh, yeah, this was uh, the one of us must leave, loser leaves yeah, town, if you will. <laughs> this is where I met, I I feel like I'm doing myself a disservice. Um, you know, not watching the wrestling challenges and superstars or whatever that lead up to these because. For the life of me, watching this match, I feel like Warriors the heel here, and it may be just because I understand that Macho has has sister Sherry, sensational Sherry, with with him, um, and you know, he's obviously yes, he is the heel until the very end, the afterbirth of the match, as as it's called. But just knowing what goes, you know, how it ends before it starts, I haven't seen it before, and just Warriors just comes off like a dick here. Pardon my French. Um, yeah, it's because the, the foot on the chest cover and all that sort of thing, uh, Warrior does not, he comes off as the heel to me, uh, in, in this match, which is interesting. Um, well, yeah. So, uh, if you'll, if we'll wind it back just a little bit, no, no, yeah, sorry, Randy Savage, uh, this went to the end first. No, you're fine. Uh, Randy Savage, uh, attacked Warrior at Sunday night's main event in November, 1990. And, uh, obviously used that scepter. He wanted to get a match for the world title at that point, and that's when uh, Sherry came out to beg and uh, put herself in a rather compromising yeah. position. Attempted fellatio right here on television. Yeah, that's, uh, like, you know, kids watch this. Come on, and they so think warrior, cereal. warrior for whatever reason says no. no. Well, for some reason he has an aneurysm while he says no. Or maybe yeah. Sherry actually got the job done, and then we just don't see it on camera there. And so Warrior goes on to defend the title at the 1991 Royal Rumble, 
and Savage made his way to the ring and cracked Warrior in the head with the scepter. And Sergeant Slaughter, who turned his back on America, uh, more on that later, uh, beats the ultimate warrior or the ultimate puke. The ultimate puke. The ultimate puke. And uh, that set up this WrestleMania match so it's, yeah we had the um the warrior actually i think one of his better promos with the sew it in you know with the jewel from the scepter in his forehead or whatever told the doctor yeah. to sew it in he didn't spoiler alert but yeah um, and yeah. the the storyline really it's really not all that elaborate it's pretty straightforward you know you cost me the title now i'm going to cost you your job or your career so it's Pretty much billed as the very first career versus career match in the WWF at the time. Is that now, a fact? Now WWE. Okay. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, there's only one other retirement match ever to be at WrestleMania, uh, and that, of course, was the first retirement of. Uh, no, is Ric Flair's match. actual last match? Yeah, he never well, he never ever wrestled again after that. I don't care what you said. Yeah. Well. Well, well, yeah, we'll go with that. But anyways, uh, I, I thought it was a very good match. Uh, Randy Savage can't help but have a good one. Uh, you, know it. you know, Warriors execution <laughs> is, is a lot, it leaves a lot to be desired. I'm in favor of it. Uh, <laughs> I say that. He was Warriors execution. Warrior. God rest him. Hey, miss you, buddy. Yeah. And, uh, well, it's sad. I think is everybody in this match dead? Everyone, you know, because... You have Elizabeth, you got Sherry, we got Warrior, we got Savage. Who was the ref? Who ref this? Um, if it's, not, I didn't make a note of that. If it's Joey Morella, then he, he's gone as well. But uh, Heenan on commentary, he's gone. Gorilla's gone. <sighs> All right, I'm depressing myself. Now. All right, continue. Yeah, and uh, gosh, what what can't you say about Sherry Martell? No. Oh. Uh, just one of the best ever, certainly the best female manager of all time. I'm putting yeah. her on the Mount Rushmore. I'm just going to say it right here, right now. I, yeah. Sherry Martell is on our Mount Rushmore of man, wrestling managers. Yeah. It's and just a really, really great. Uh, just a phenomenal. She would take any risk. Like she didn't care. A lot of times women have the reputation, whether it's true or not, of not wanting to not look pretty or whatever. Yeah. Sherry didn't care, man. She and would those, do anything. She was ballsy. And those, right, shoes that, and those shoes that she wore must have weighed 25 pounds because they really knocked out a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sherry, uh, yeah. Sherry actually comes off the top rope in this one, but a uh, warrior moves and hits Savage with her shoe. Um, as warrior chased Sherry, Savage got him from behind with a schoolboy. And <laughs> that sounds terrible. But mm. uh, <laughs> then. Uh, well, he didn't say he got a schoolboy from behind. So it's, it's, it's fine. You could have phrased it worse i'm just I'm, I'm thinking dumb and dumber right now mary <laughs> i desperately want to make love to a schoolboy what like what? you can't say that while i'm trying to take a drink of water <laughs> uh, uh, oh dumb and dumb. you better uh, leave this in too yeah i will hey, well. uh, <laughs> all right we, uh, anyways then savage <laughs> he hits five elbow drops in a row God, yes that was interminable off Jesus, the, off the top rope, and you know, reminiscent of uh, WrestleMania Five, uh, Warrior kicks out and uh, made the uh, the Hulk or the Warrior up comeback. He wore it up. Well, it, okay, is this where they get that this is a Native American gimmick because he does sort of a 
half-ass war dance thing. Yeah. Because I, I was blown away when it was a Pritchard that said this was a Native American game. I was like, when the hell was the giant tan blonde guy? How the hell was that a Native American? Is, that, is this what they're hanging their hat on? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I ever considered him to be a Native American. No. Uh, even though he did have a great tan, but, it, you know. Not, but not, he was blonde. It's a, obviously was a white guy. This was Hollywood. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, but anyways, he he does his uh, shoulder blocks and the splash finisher thing. But Savage kicked out. So, you know, we uh, this is a uh, in a year where generally, if that finisher is hit, it's over. Uh, it's yeah. not. It's not today's WWE that. Uh, well, you got to do your finisher ten times. Uh, Five times, like Savage. Get somebody down, and then uh, he. So Warrior gets out of the ring and tease that he was quitting like he was giving up on himself and did some sort of symbolic gestures that were a little too weird it really just didn't make a whole lot of sense it made sense to him and uh i'm sure anyways so savage comes up from behind and uh got him out of the ring uh savage uh came off the top rope outside and uh warrior caught him with a punch and you really have to give savage credit for doing crazy stuff like this at his age at this point which he's i mean he's not a spry chicken uh anymore but he still goes on to have great matches after this oh, he, and, he wrestles for almost 10 more years after this yeah and uh and it's he actually had savage actually had really major thumb surgery after uh before this and hmm. so it makes it a little bit more um interesting so warrior then gives three more shoulder blocks and got the pin, uh, probably the most disrespectful pin I've ever seen anybody. Yeah, I give. was blown away that Savage agreed to this. There's, I have a hard time believing he did, but he didn't. He, he laid didn't. there. Yeah, uh, I, 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 that, that, blew, that still blows my mind. Every time I've watched this match, I'm like, how did you get Randy, the Macho Man Savage, to lay there and let this guy stop myself there uh, uh who by comparison has done nothing to compare to what randy savage has done in his career and would do after this and i love the ultimate warrior don't get me wrong i loved him when i was a kid i was i was deathly afraid for his safety when the undertaker locked him in a coffin so don't misread me here but comparing the two resumes randy savage is 10 times the performer ultimate warrior ever dreamed of being and he gets to put his foot on Savage's chest to send him to putative retirement. I, that's the biggest, that's the best sell job Vince McMahon's ever done. Has to be. Yeah. Has I mean, be. after the match, of course, uh, I, I would say that the moment after the match is probably just as memorable as the moment uh, that ended the match. Oh, yeah. It's a big moment. Uh, so after the match, uh, Sherry uh, comes after Savage with those aforementioned or previously mentioned uh boots mm-hmm. uh puts the boots to puts, him puts the boots to him and uh elizabeth who was uh, shown at ringside many times oh yeah uh, looking as only your third grade teacher could look in that yeah. sparkly sweater that was apparently all the rage uh, i guess that's a holdover from wilson phillips uh, video of lot from the previous year but hey she uh shoot 1991 oh elizabeth shoes she was she was tough stuff 
Uh, yeah. Oh man. Let, listen to me. She had a gift certificate to fashion bug and it was burning a hole in her pocket. That's where she got that sweater. Let me tell you, <laughs> I have never understood her presentation and, and stuff like this, because obviously when she was the valet for, for Randy, she would wear the evening gowns and look elegant and this, that, and the other. But anytime they show her in a casual environment, it's like, what is, what, you, what is that? What are you wearing? Anyway, that's all I'm going to let her wear. Mm-hmm. Well, at this point, were they married still? Or Because I remember by the time they actually got married on WETV, they're actually about to divorce in real life. Yeah, right? they uh, they actually are married still, but they're having at issues. This point, yeah. Well, with that sweater, I'm not surprised. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, kind of sad. She, uh, she met a sad ending. So did Cherry. So did... Well, yeah, well, so did the demons, uh, as they called in wrestling, got, got those poor folks. And um, yeah, anyways, so after the match, uh, she comes down here. She's or comes down to the ring. She uh, is there to stand by her man, as I believe uh, Gorilla would say during this match. But anyways, it's not really so much a knock on a warrior on this match. I feel like a, I feel like it's one of his if not the best match he's ever had and i'm gonna give it four stars i thought it was really good uh but i think it i could have given it five if it had been pretty much anybody else in the tokyo dome yeah um yeah no i mean i love macho man obviously i do as much as i criticize him because it's merited i do love warrior and uh his his uh final raw appearance figure is one of my prized pieces in my collection here so i'm gonna give it a thumbs up obviously um but yeah it it astounds me and confounds me every time i see the the foot on the chest like man because knowing how protective randy was of everything uh it blows me away that that he agreed to this and coming off the thumb surgery let's just thank god he didn't have to wrestle pete dunn um (laughs) Yeah, or else either have been a bad way with those sissy joint lock things that uh, Pete Dunn does. So exactly. You know. And uh, I think uh, there's that one fan that they cut to in the crowd that's wearing the Macho Man hat that's crying, and everybody's crying whenever. They... There's one girl they keep going to when they show Elizabeth that yeah. is just super caught up in it. Yeah, that's. Uh... I'm sure if she's still a wrestling fan, I'm sure she's big on romance novel Undertaker <laughs> these days. Anyways, not a dry eye in the house. Um, anyways, JD, you want to take the next one? Yeah. So uh, this is where we have, our, as previously uh, implied, the demolition versus Tenru and Katow uh, as the Orient Express match. Um, so Monsoon says Axe and Smash are coming out. Was obviously Smash and Crush uh, coming out. Uh, Barry Darso. Oh, excuse me, not Barry Darso. Um, Bill Eady not involved in, in this matchup at, the, at this point. So we have Smash and Crush uh, coming out as the Freebird rule demolition here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Crowd is not ready for this. They may be kind of emotionally drained uh, after the, the Savage and Elizabeth reunion. Demolition, basically, we'll keep it short here. Loses, Smash gets powerbombed, which is odd considering, you know, Oregon Express doesn't do a ton that I remember, uh, for in this time period. Uh, so, but you know, we went from 
is this do you think this is a product of the fact that the real road warriors are here now yeah the legion of doom is in the wf at this point so the the kenny brand legion of doom demolition is no longer needed in vince's eyes i mean what what do you think leads to something like this i don't know but anyway, I, I, thumbs down uh, it's not a great match uh of course i probably was just still cried out from from the uh macho and elizabeth thing as was the crowd yeah not a fan um demolition is kind of on vince mcmahon's shit list at this point so they're just going to put over essentially the orient express here um one star did not like um moving on we've got the uh big boss man the uh much vaunted uh always talked about ray trailer uh mm -hmm. cobb county georgia's own aka the big <laughs> boss man now do you think they missed an opportunity here? Marla Maples, as we all know, the pride of Cahutta, Georgia, in the Dalton metropolitan area up in uh, up in North Georgia, there right on the on the Tennessee border. Um, they they don't have any interaction here. You would think they'd have something to talk about, both being hmm. Georgia born and bred. Yeah, no, uh, that's interesting. I never even thought about that. I guess I don't associate Donald Trump to or any of Donald Trump's ladies with the state of Georgia, but Marla is from uh, North Marla Georgia. Marla is from Cahutta, yeah. But uh, anyways, uh, Bossman is probably one of the better wrestlers to never win the Intercontinental or World title. Uh, his promo Did here he is actually... have a singles title? Besides the hardcore. He had hardcore. hardcore. He had okay. hardcore. Um, yeah. That, yeah I, mean, no. I don't know if that counts. But yeah, okay. They never even got a, a run with their Western States heritage title in the NWA. Not, that stinks. Not that I'm aware of. Um, yeah. But okay. anyways, so his promo here is actually pretty, pretty cool. Um, yeah. I'm surprised they didn't uh, blur the, the blur, the Confederate flag on his, uh, which at the time was on Georgia. Uh, law well, that's actually going to mention, wait, wait, the Confederate flag was or the state flag of Georgia. Cause at this but, time, this, the confederate well it's not the actual confederate flag but it's the confederate battle flag it's when yeah. everybody knows it's saint andrew's cross with the red anyway it's embarrassing not the point uh but that was the two-thirds of the state flag of georgia at this time but this isn't the state flag of georgia this is just a straight up yeah confederate flag or confederate battle flag um i don't know why especially since now he's a baby face why are you doing that because this well, is they the probably, promotion this is the down south promotion they probably would not be allowed to use the actual seal of the state of georgia uh on but this. He, i thought he did at one point have the flag of georgia honestly maybe i'm wrong but i thought he did or was it always the confederate flag because you gotta remember also at the same time and down down south in wcw you've got the um young pistols or the wild-eyed southern boys that were at the time making a lot of use of the confederate flag and then of course mm -hmm. uh prior to that the Freebirds that had the uh, confederate flag robes it was just a weird and looking in retrospect embarrassing time uh yeah. in professional wrestling but yeah I, i've never really understood especially babyface boss man having just the straight up confederate flag on his on his uniform yeah which is uh which makes bobby heenan's promo just a little bit more interesting well, this is 1991 this is obviously in the heat of the Rodney King controversy. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, you got one guy that's wearing a Confederate flag <laughs> on his. Uh, well, I don't outfit. think that the Los Angeles Police Department technically seceded from the Union. So, 
Well, nothing uh, nothing says Rodney King quite like two white guys fighting over a belt, huh? Uh, yeah, I, Vince had this weird thing about staying topical. You'll hear Cornette and, and Jim Ross talk about it when they would do uh, the live-to-tape Raws because Raw, Raw was live every other week, and so they would voice over the commentary on the off yeah. weeks, and they would Vince always made them reference something that was topical that week to give them the illusion of being live. I thought maybe that's what they're going for here. I, I'm I'm grasping at straws because all of this is just weird. Yeah, and uh, it's yeah, it's just interesting because the promo that Bobby cuts it's it's kind of tailor made for somebody that is perhaps in support of Rodney King, and uh, I just felt like oh, support of the 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 police. I don't know, it was weird. Yeah, and I just felt like that you sort of should have switched these up. Um, but you know, even Bobby <laughs> taking a, a babyface stance can still somehow be a heel. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyways, but, uh, was not the point of the promo that he was upset that somebody filmed it. Yeah. Okay, but I mean that was the whole thing, right? That the person who filmed it was the, doing the right thing, and that's how they got. Well, he was, yeah, you know, brought or brought to trial. Yeah, I, I was a little confused at this. It's I, bizarre. I, anyway, it, it's a bizarre situation to try and figure out uh, yeah okay yeah but um anyways on to the match that boy kurt is i.e mr perfect is selling his ass off here uh one of the best to do it Bossman hits that patented running guillotine on the ropes and starts hitting uh kurt with his belt but apparently belts aren't foreign objects um, international objects well joey morella is the referee here so um Actually, all four men in this match are gone now. Mm. And uh, that's a shame. That's very sad. Uh, yeah. Well, as Abby likes to play a little drinking game when we watch these uh, th- these pay per views called, oh, he's dead now. <laughs> so every, every time I say that, you take a drink. And, you know, at this point, you're starting to get a little messed up. Yeah. At this right here, uh, you got uh, Andre the Giant makes an appearance. Um, now, yeah, about that. Is this after the Herb Abrams uh, UWF appearance from Andre? Because that would have been 90, right? I'm not. And I, I'm I not say that to bring up the fact that they that Andre is just kind of here. And I think Vince may have taken it, or I was heard that Vince took it pretty personally uh, that Andre would show up on, on a not necessarily a competitor because what was the UWF really, yeah. uh, but it would show yeah, up on right. another pay-per-view show. So I always figured this is sort of not in retaliation, but to bring Andre back into the WWF fold after that. Yeah. So this is uh, actually after the Herb Abrams. You, know, you were right. 1990. I usually uh, am. Of course, his uh, final appearances with WCW later. Right. Uh, yeah. The uh, Hall of Fame type of thing or Night of Legends kind of a deal. Yeah, and uh, but honestly, you know, I don't know that Kurt Henning, aka Mr. Perfect, had very many, if any, bad matches. Uh, but anyways, Andre appears. He he he's near the end of his life. Um, actually, yeah, it looks awful. Uh, you feel for him here. Yeah, it's kind of sad seeing him a little bit, but you know, he's still in relatively good spirits. Uh, he comes to the aid of his somehow. It's his friend, Big Boss Man and um sure 
I get, well, they Why didn't not? really they didn't really talk about that a whole lot. And or maybe he's just mad at, at Bobby for you know from yeah. the old grudges. I don't know. Let's let's call it that. He's uh, stalking uh, down Bobby Heenan and uh, hits Kurt with the Intercontinental Belt and uh, Haku and uh, Barbarian come down to interrupt the match and Andre levels Mister Perfect and again Perfect's just selling like just him and Shawn Michaels got to be two of the best sellers ever uh, mm-hmm. and andre levels mr perfect and boss man wins by disqualification andre at this point cannot get into the ring uh in fact he mm-hmm. can barely walk and i bet boss man really had some great stories um would have loved to have heard a big boss man serving hard times podcast you know uh, listen to uh terry runnels Oh gosh, was it was she on Stone Cold's podcast? This is several years ago, but she was on a podcast and had some great stories about Boss Man. Apparently, they were real tight, um, and like a brother sister uh, sort yeah, of way. Boss Man yeah, gave her, her sissy. Boss Man gave her away at uh, her wedding. Yeah, so they were they were really really close, uh, and she had some good stories uh, about Ray. So yeah, uh, worth worth looking up. Now, Hall of Famer, Big Boss Man, and it was way overdue as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But uh, anyways, so coming up next, we got Senior Earthquake versus Hammer versus Greg the, the Hammer, Greg Valentine. The Hammer Valentine. So why, yeah. don't you, why don't you take that one? Why don't you take the next two away? Well, uh, you know, well, yeah, we can bundle them up because uh, uh, all told combined, that's less than five minutes of, <laughs> of yeah. match time. Uh, so we've got, um, I said, Earthquake uh, over Greg, Greg Valentine here. Earthquake is just before his natural disasters run with Typhoon. Is that right? When, when do they when yeah. do they get a tag team just, title? Just run? before. It's going to be just before or just after this, rather. So this is just before that. So, yeah, uh, John Tenta, Earthquake. Comes in, got Jimmy Hart for the second, but not final time, if I'm if my count is correct, uh, coming out with with some of his, not exactly Hart family, but close enough. Uh, yeah, not a lot to say here. It's just the classic earthquake falls down on somebody match. <laughs> um, so that that's what happens there. Um, the Donald is 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 you know, is featured here in in the. Uh, in the crowd as is uh, Henry Winkler randomly and Chuck Norris, uh, who again is mean jeans, close personal, longtime friend. They all get a little shout out here. And um, yeah, honestly, Chuck does a great job trying to put over the athleticism of the wrestlers. I mean, I know he was tight with judo Jean LaBelle back in the day and he tries to name drop a few old, older wrestlers as well. Uh, it does really, you know, it does really well. Obviously, he and uh, Trump in the background here. It's funny. You can see the sort of left-right divide uh, in, in the crowd here. Henry Winkler doesn't talk to the other two, but uh, Chuck and Donald are are warmly shaking hands and uh, talking like old buddies. So it's kind of interesting there. Uh, from there, we go on. We have a quick uh, Legion of Doom promo. Tell him, Hawk. Uh, wherein Hawk says that uh, – they're going to be, instead of power and glory, they're going to be sour and gory when the Legion of Doom is, is finished with them. So it's just some classic 80s shtick here. And I don't know, clearly Legion of Doom does not get paid by the hour. We're talking about a sub one-minute match 
if by if barely the official time I think is 59 seconds for him to go over pretty Paul Roma and uh, the aforementioned Hercules Hernandez that we talked about who did have a um, a full Nelson although not in this match uh, with the Doctor Style slick at ringside for for Power and Glory. So a very quick uh, squash match here at, at WrestleMania, which is fairly rare, but apparently not this year because we're going to have another squash match coming up. But I'll let you get to the the Virgil and DiBiase match here. Oh, man, what a great, great match. Great, great, great match. build. Oh, Just awesome. tremendous. Tremendous. I'm totally kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the build actually was good the, the build was honest. the build was was actually pretty good this is you know uh a very long seeing, time coming we're seeing uh baby face virgil here baby face virgil virgil of course being mr dibiase's uh manservant uh for many many years and uh has now chose uh chose to see see the light rather uh by all people roddy piper um was yeah, was this an atonement for his uh, half black body paint thing? Uh, oh, let's not talk about that. Well, I'm just saying it's weird. It, well, you point out that it's weird that it's Roddy Piper. He's kind of out of nowhere. But I wonder if this is a, a, a sort of sort of a make good on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I listen. You know, Roddy Piper, one of the best heel, one of the best to ever do it. Period. And I, I think. Uh, this is when, uh, and, and I'm not saying that Roddy is doing a bad job as babyface. I'm not saying that. I, what I'm saying is that it's very, to this point, is very unusual to see Roddy Piper be in a babyface role um, because he's think, general, generally considered to be the bad guy. But, well, he's, uh, he's one of the greatest heels of all time, but I think Rod, Rod, Rodney the Piper is sort of miscast here because he is again, like kind of, kind of like we talked about with DiBiase as a color commentator earlier. Roddy's great at getting himself over. It's a much different skill set to get someone else over. Mm-hmm. But he kind of takes her uh, Virgil under his wing here. Um, you know, he doesn't do a whole lot for his spelling because you know Virgil cuts the promo that you spell man V I R G I L. So that's not that's not how you spell. It. That's that's way off actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, but Roddy is clearly the uh, moral support here for Virgil going out on his own, doing his own thing, which actually turns out to be a bit of a bad career move for Virgil because he kind of just disappears after he's not at the uh, Million Dollar Man's side up until he uh, heads up the uh, junior varsity NWO in, in later WCW when they need somebody to go in and take the first punch. It's generally Virgil or Vincent, as he would be known at that time. But hey, if he comes away with enough meat sauce and F money to uh, you know keep himself in Olive Garden for for the rest of his life, he's doing pretty good here. Yeah, and Virgil's uh, having a tough time with his health right now with dementia. So shout out. Is that to, a fact? Oh, shout out I hate to hear him. that. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, uh, with all due respect to Virgil, I mean, DiBiase carried him through the match, uh, mm-hmm. and, and Virgil's not bad, but he wasn't very good in this one. Well, as we talked about with guys like Lex Luger and, and um, you know, a, a few others, they, they can be led through a match. Yeah. And I feel, and that's what I feel here. like, and I feel like there was so much going on the outside. It sort of took away from the match as well. You've got well, the match Piper. is kind of secondary to the, to the storyline. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, and uh, I think the highlight of the match is actually when uh, Sherry comes out and then her wig falls off. And <laughs> she flips her wig. And uh, the comment, commentary does not say anything about it. <laughs> and uh, Sherry, Sherry whooped their ass. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, and, but anyways, uh, long story short, uh, Ted DiBiase, uh, Virgil wins by virtue of a count out. Thus, the uh, million dollar belt does not change hands, even though it is not sanctioned by the WWE. Yeah, uh, and he wouldn't have to give it up if he didn't want to. Yeah. It's I mean, not real. He bought it to begin with. And just right, it is. But uh, anyways, I, I, for Roddy is trying to help Virgil, but I don't know how counting out DiBiase helps with that. So anyways, uh, Meltzer gave it two stars. Um, I'm probably going to give it a star. I, it's not very good to me. I'll give uh, the angle a thumbs up, the match a thumbs down. Angle, angle good, match bad. Right. But uh, so anyways, this gives us uh, a nice little segue into the uh, much talked about, highly anticipated, everybody wanted to see it, the Mountie versus Tito Santana. The Mountie put my ass in this seat. Let me yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah. So again, I mentioned earlier that we would see uh, Jimmy Hart yet again, and this time in a in a faux uh, makeshift uh, Royal K Mounted Police jacket, which is just a red blazer with some epaulets on it. I think. Um, again, I don't know if matches were getting cut for time here between the you know the Road Warriors match or Legion of Doom match prior. And uh, and this one as well, it comes off as sort of a, a glorified squash. Uh, we get some general meandering around the ring with Arriba Tito Santana, who mm -hmm. is very much on the downward slope of his career. I mean, this guy was a superstar in the 80s, intercontinental champion, tag team champion, uh, now kind of in, in the twilight or the sunset of, uh, of his career here. Mm -hmm. um, there's some general grappling around. Uh, Jimmy eventually slips the mountain, the stun stick. Uh, here and um, you know, Tito Santana sells it like he's going to the chair and just gets you know wiped out, and, that, and that's the end. Uh, a mercifully brief match, but I wonder again with these past couple of matches if some of them haven't been cut for time a little bit. Yeah, and I, I was kind of wondering that myself it, because you're talking, you know, Jacques Rougeau and, and Tito, they are very capable of having a 30 oh, minute wonderful. match and Perfect. a good yeah. one at that. Yeah. Uh, I, I just uh, something one of these matches must have went long i'm thinking uh could have been it would not surprise me if warrior and savage didn't go a bit long yeah. um you know I, I don't know how big of a program if any the mountie and tito had going into this i don't really remember so it just kind of hey look they got a mania check right so that's good hey <laughs> and as uh bushwhacker luke uh would later quip about his uh cousin uh bushwhacker butch i was in there for <laughs> i was in there for uh, i think uh 20 minutes uh talking about the royal rumble butch was in there for all of five seconds so we got paid the bloody same we got played the same thing <laughs> yeah but uh anyways so mountie uh, pins tito uh with the cattle prod and uh I don't know why the Mountie has a cattle prod. I don't, I don't it's a stun know. stick. Yeah, it's a right? cattle. It's a go, cattle prod. Well, that's what the yeah, that's <laughs> effectively the thing. I, I don't know if that is that what the Royal K Mountain Police use for tasers. It may be. I don't know. I don't know. They want to be nice about it, so 
Um, well, I, I would think they would use a cattle prod because they're just as likely to get a call about, you know, some violent criminal as some wayward cattle. Uh, probably, probably more so cattle. Yeah, probably more cattle. But uh, Especially in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, those places. Yeah, so anyways, on to our main event of the evening. Thank you, Michael Buffer. We've got Hulk Hogan, the immortal. The immortal. Hulk is this Hogan. the when do they start calling that? Because they call him that here, and I don't remember when that exactly that started. Uh, I do believe that they were calling him that in WrestleMania three. Were they already? Okay, I'm right. pretty sure. I had to go back and watch. Um, I know for sure that it was in WrestleMania. Well, obviously WrestleMania eight, because I remember Mister Perfect making a not so immortal now that'll be the next yeah that that, that'll be the next year that was no wait that was royal rumble 92 so still the next year is the point they're making yeah so you've got uh iraqi sympathizer sergeant slaughter as you can tell not the high man on the totem pole because he comes out first as the champion which is always irritating to me although i guess technically they say the rule is the champion gets to pick when they come out first or first or second but clearly the bigger star comes out second. Oh yeah. So, um, the, the original chase scene that started the match was kind of sad because neither one, neither one of them are very fast. No, <laughs> not, not known for the fleetness of foot. Uh, either one of them. I don't know. Yeah. Not, not <sighs> a whole lot of brer rabbits in this one. This is uh, mostly brer cooter or, uh, mm-hmm tortoises maybe a rare bear might get some rare bear a rare bear both, both big guys here but uh anyways hulk kept the uh early advantage for a, a good bit uh sounds like the first half of the match generally you see the baby face get the heat on that one but hulk was just tearing into him uh slaughter to his credit is looking pretty good for this match uh he yeah he does a look, good job here looks Man. it looks felt um Man. For my as, Sarge Sanders, yeah. Yeah, that's what, Sanders, that's what sure. I'm referring to. Uh, anyways, they um, Hogan actually, yeah, I think you mentioned this earlier, he takes that Ric Flair bump off the top rope. Uh, yeah, you get the distraction from uh, General Adnan here. And uh, so, it get, but when he goes up to the top, what is happening? What? No, the, I didn't know Hulk Hogan knew there was a top rope. Uh, yeah, yeah I, what, I don't know what he was planning to do because Sarge's like on the other side of the ring at the time. I can't recall one time that Hulk Hogan's ever thrown a drop kick, much less going off the top rope. Yeah, I, I, he I barely takes a flat back bump. Are you kidding me? These feet, these feet don't leave the ground, brother. Uh, right. But anyways, so Sarge is taking a few good bumps. He uh, used a chair a couple of times, and Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. is juiced. And oh boy, is he ever juicing in this one? Well, in all senses of the expression. Yeah. And so again. <laughs> As, as we talked about in the Getting Color uh, episode of Talking Smart, if you ever want to see how it's done, watch Hulk Hogan because he'll, he'll show you. And, but, you know, he does don the proverbial crimson mask here because he's fighting for the honor of the USA. If you didn't know that, you would know by the fact that he wears a star-spangled headband uh, or a bandana, excuse me, this time rather than the traditional red and yellow Hulk Hogan headband. Also, uh, if memory serves... The original idea in the lead up to this was to have Sarge burn the flag because that had recently become legal to do. Yeah. Uh, but I guess all 
involved, cooler heads prevailed, and they realized that's stupid. Don't do that. Uh, so they used the Hulkamania T-shirt as a as a stand-in, or as uh, Hogan would call it in his pre-match promo, the Hulkamania banner. Dude, it was a T-shirt on a stick. We, yeah, we and you mentioned uh, General Adnan. General Adnan is actually was actually a friend of Saddam Hussein. The school uh, with him, right? Went, went to school with him. Obviously, yeah. not a friend with him at this point. But well, yeah, yeah I think the they'd gone their separate ways. I, yeah. I think uh, Adnan checked out of the invasion of Kuwait. He was not not for that. And uh, obviously, uh, the Iron Sheik does end up joining um, Sarge yeah, as Colonel and, and Mustafa. And, uh, as, Cor- yeah. as Colonel Mustafa. And at that point, I think, you know, sort of the bloom is off the rose, as as they say. Well, um, I mean, yeah, it's weird. Sarge's Iraqi sympathizer run lasted longer by far than the actual Gulf War itself. <laughs> this um, is true. So, yeah, it's kind of like MASH. You know, they spent 11 years on a three-year war. Um, the show ran for like three times as long as the war did, uh, or at least the active involvement part. Yeah, and war. honestly, the build on this one is probably one of the better builds that you see for a main event at WrestleMania. Uh, so good. It's hard to get death threats. Yeah, that's a good I, build. I, I can't recall anyone else getting death threats or he having a i'm pretty sure that uh the repo man probably got a few threats there when uh you know he was taking wrestlers or maybe even uh jean-pierre lafitte may have gotten a few when he took bret hart's jacket oh maybe but uh yeah but yeah so the this wasn't really a bad match um i I think uh considering the build probably could have been a little bit better but i, I don't uh I, I i get i give it two and a half i i, I enjoyed it bro it's sergeant Sla- it's 1991 sergeant slaughter versus hulk Hogan. what what do you expect exactly i mean if you're expecting flair funk let me tell you buddy you're you're hoping for the wrong thing but again I, just like with the virgil dibiase i'm gonna give build thumbs up match thumbs down i mean just it, it was there it happened that's all I can say for it. So that averages out to a thumbs in the middle. Sure. Yeah. yeah. If we're grading on the curve here, we'll, we'll average them together and give it a, a thumbs in the middle. Aha. Uh-huh. Lobbied for another thumbs in the middle. Yeah. Well, you didn't get one with uh, DiBiase and Virgil, damn it. Well, I didn't. I didn't want it. <laughs> so it, just well, started... it worked out for everybody. But uh, anyways, it it's still... Yeah, it's, it's just sort of a predictable Hulk Hogan match at this one. Yeah. He, I mean, he, does, he does the the two the two hits, the boot to the face and the leg gets the win, uh, no. and Hogan must pose. So yeah, it seemed like really, and again, I wonder if they're they're pressed for time here because Sarge is obviously in the in the driver's seat, and Hogan just hulks up, and thirty seconds later, it's over. Um, so like what were they getting a go go home cue? Because usually it's a little bit longer than that, but not a lot. I mean, yeah, the two punches, throw on the rope, big big boot, leg drop, the end. Wow. That was formulaic. Yeah, I uh again I I I thought uh overall overall I'll give the pay-per-view three out of five. I, I thought it was uh mostly pretty good you know at pretty much everything after ultimate warrior and uh macho man kind of not so good uh i think probably of that second half of the pay-per-view i think the best match out of them is probably going to be uh mr perfect and big boss man uh, mm-hmm. 
rest of them yeah i don't know and yeah uh, oh again i'm gonna i'm gonna as has become a recurring theme in the in this uh pay-per-view say build up thumbs up pay-per-view itself i'm gonna give thumbs in the middle at best it's it's fine but fine's about it yeah the uh so the wrestling observer um gives it uh 55 percent thumbs up uh thumbs down is 24.6 percent and in between is 19.5 so it's uh you know overall decent mm-hmm. uh best match obviously goes to ultimate warrior and randy savage uh well, found- best match goes to randy savage and ultimate warrior was there well yeah uh history is written by the victors but That's uh right. anyways uh heart foundation nasty boys coming in at number two and the Rockers versus Haku and Barbarian coming in at number three. The worst match is Jake uh, voted on by the people of uh, the Wrestling Observer. Good the, people. The, the readers fine folks. Is, uh, the worst match is Jake Roberts versus Rick Martell. Uh, coming in at number two is the Mountie versus Tito, Mon- uh, Tito Santana, which is Tito Montana's brother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I feel sort of weird about even considering them in the as to be the worst ones. There wasn't a whole lot there for them. Uh, well, here's the thing: I, I think by virtue of the fact that we completely forgot to talk about this match, and that's my fault. I apologize. I'm going to put worst matches: Undertaker and Jimmy Snuka. Oh, we we definitely. Oh gosh, we did. We skipped right over that one, but there's nothing right to tell. That. Undertaker beat him. The end. I forgot about. I literally forgot about it. I remember the backstage segment with with Undertaker more than the match. Yeah, the where he's mo- sizing a, uh was it Regis up for the uh, for the casket. Yeah, the moment is much bigger than the match. Uh, that is Undertaker's first WrestleMania win. I can't believe mm-hmm. I looked over that. But, we uh, mentioned that it was first WrestleMania. We didn't talk about the match at all. I don't think, and I don't think we need to because yeah. it's Jimmy Snuka in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, it's that's all you really need to know yeah but uh the third worst match is uh demolition versus uh the orient express and then uh coming in at number four is actually hulkster and sarge um i think a lot of that hulk and sarge is just probably a little bit of a letdown from the build and because yeah. uh, it's not bad it's just you know it's, it's hulk and sarge yeah i mean what, yeah i don't know what you expected um but yeah like i said the the build very good the match not so much yeah so nick i hope you really enjoyed that uh that review of wrestlemania 7 if anybody else has uh anything else they'd like us to review uh you know maybe some wcw from 2000 <laughs> <laughs> oh buddy oh god it's a, it's a coming it's a I'm coming gonna, yeah i'm gonna need some i mean a much larger drink if we're doing that but you know we've got a we've got a bit of havoc to deal with next week uh oh my goodness a little bit of sounds like an entire chamber of horrors to me yeah we're uh, obviously if you haven't picked up yet we're throwing it back to halloween havoc 1991 the much vaunted and well-loved chamber of uh (laughs) chamber of horrors match and Uh, horrors it did indeed contain yeah it was so bad we'll talk, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it we'll talk about it when we get there yeah all right well jd if you've got nothing else I'll, oh god uh, after that i've got nothing <laughs> yeah well i will bid our listening audience adieu uh doop